Welcome to CMIO Podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. Whether you're involved with informatics, analytics, or new technologies that make the lives of our practicing clinicians better, this show is for you. My name is Dr. Mark Weitzman, a practicing physician and CMIO, and the host of CMIO Podcast. So today I have CMIO news to know for the week of August 4th, where I will take a collection of articles talk about the, uh, the headlines, and then we'll get into why I think it's important for a CMIO to understand this piece of material. Uh, today, I have a theme. We're going to be talking about outside of the four walls of the hospital. So we're going to touch on some articles about remote patient monitoring, telehealth, um, University of Chicago starting a second opinion service, and we'll end with a virtual training piece um, that uh, I think is really interesting and, and should be thought-provoking for CMIOs. So let's, uh, let's get to it. Ohio payers now required to cover telemedicine visits, written by Jackie Dries on uh, July 30th. I'll give you the highlights. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine signed legislation July 18th that will require private insurance companies in the state to cover physician appointments conducted via telemedicine. Prior to the law, some Ohio-based physicians were reluctant to incorporate telemedicine into their practices and learn how to use the equipment because there was no requirement that guaranteed insurance payments, says the Ohio State Medical Association spokesperson. The state still needs to determine how much payers will pay providers for telemedicine visits compared to in-person visits. So, and that's the, that's the real rub, isn't it? In, uh, in, when I was in Virginia, they had this kind of law, this parity law, requiring a insurance company to pay the same amount as an in-person visit as they would for a, a telehealth visit. But uh, we did not find that to be universally the case. And we found significant resistance from the payers for telehealth visits for reasons that are still unclear to me. You would think that if we can deliver a visit at a lower cost that the insurance companies would find this valuable. But uh, the providers also didn't really jump up and down and I think that's going to be the case here in Ohio. For them to invest in the technology and to get comfortable with the workflows when they could make more money by bringing the patients in I still think that the financial incentives are misaligned for telehealth to take off. And so I still think we're seeing telehealth being used. It's being used more in the low acuity type setting and moving some of that volume out of the uh, out of the offices is great, but I don't think it's going to revolutionize healthcare. And we've been talking about how telehealth is going to change healthcare dramatically. Oh, for probably eight, ten years now. Uh, I remember when I was working with a team leading the redesign around urgent care, we were entertaining this concept of do we, do we predict that urgent care is going to have a loss of volume because telehealth is going to ramp up and take away all of the patients because people would rather get treated for the flu from the comfort of their own home. And we said, yes, that's a possibility, but 
We also looked at some data that said, you know, patients are still coming in to be seen because they don't know what's wrong with them. And so they are not sure if a telehealth visit is appropriate for them, so they come in. And I still think that's going to be the case for, for quite some time until we get into telehealth triage. I believe that telehealth services will continue to be underused. So my advice on this story, uh, be prepared. As a CMIO, we certainly need to understand where the market is related to telehealth. You, if you needed to do it tomorrow, could you? Do you have the infrastructure in place? I found that the rate limiting step has been the providers to staff it because when you sit down with your administrative counterparts and you're going to say, look, I'm going to take a nurse practitioner out of the clinic and we're going to use them to staff this telehealth initiative, they're going to quickly do the math and say, we're going to lose revenue doing this and why would we do such a thing? So. Although the payers are now required to cover it as in, in the state of Ohio, I'm not quite convinced that that is going to be the lever that will launch telehealth into um, the, the next phase of, of conquering healthcare. So while we're still on the topic of telehealth, let's take a look at Teladoc because they just announced their earnings. And here's the headline from, from this article. Still not profitable, but Teladoc reports healthy Q2 membership visit growth. The highlights here, virtual care company Teladoc Health beat Wall Street revenue estimates for the second quarter, reporting revenue of $130 million, which is up almost 38% year over year. The provider reported 908,000 virtual care visits in the quarter. It's up 70% year over year, but down slightly from last quarter's figures of 1.06 million, driven primarily by behavioral health visits. And Teladoc expects its behavioral health business to grow by 50%. The final statement here is the company has failed to turn a profit thus far, reporting net losses of 29 million in the quarter and Wall Street expects it could be generating positive income by 2022. So, uh, not terribly interested on the financial side of this, but the, some of those numbers are really interesting. As CMIOs, we need to understand this telehealth market, and there are millions of visits being done, but I'm not seeing an impact on our clinics. I still see Access is difficult, patients cannot get in to be seen, and telehealth is not going to be able to absorb all of the volume that's out there. That's why providers are still bringing in patients into the office in high numbers. So I think we have expanded the market, not necessarily shifted the market. The exception may be in this behavioral health space. I think it's really interesting that we're seeing potentially hundreds of thousands of behavioral health visits happening via telehealth, which I think is a perfect area for telehealth to take off. My take on all this is I think telehealth will still transform healthcare, just won't happen until payment reform happens first. Next article talks about the University of Chicago launching a remote second opinion service written by Mackenzie Garrity on July 30th, also in Becker's. Here are the highlights. The University of Chicago Medicine has partnered with Pinnacle Care to offer remote second opinions to patients across the country. 
The program includes a review of a patient's medical records, collection and transfer of records and images, a written consultation report by a physician from the University of Chicago Medicine, a debriefing with Pinnacle Care Medical Director, and transfer of the report to the treating physician or team. So I want to explore this one a little further. I went to the University of Chicago's website just to see what this second opinion service is and what they're offering. And you can get a written second opinion starting at $750. This includes all the things that were mentioned in the article there, also a dedicated care coordinator. And you also get access to the University of Chicago Medicine referral network. So why do I think this is important? This is an offensive strategy by the University of Chicago to stretch their tentacles out and pull in patients. So, as a CMIO, you may be asked, how do we defend against this? You may be thinking, as a CMIO, is this my area of responsibility to, to be thinking strategically on this? And I, I believe the answer is yes. This is an emerging technology and it's going to impact the way that we deliver care as providers so that it does fall into the realm of things a CMIO should be watching. So here's my thoughts on a possible defensive strategy. So things like tumor board I think are really valuable where you can tell your patients we're going to get you that second opinion. We're going to collect the, the brightest and best minds in multiple specialties that relates to your problem and we're going to put up your information and we're going to get the collective opinion and bring that back to you so that you can have insights. And in some places they even have the patients attend it. So I think that's the, the way to combat somebody coming into your area with a telehealth type solution and offering second opinions with really the intent. I don't think the $750 is the revenue that the University of Chicago is looking at here. They're looking to bring patients in for cancer care at their center, which good for them. I think uh, a, a great strategy. Not surprised that, that this is happening. There are others out there. I think we see this happening more and more often. So as CMIOs, we do need to be thinking strategically about how we would defend ourselves. If you're at a large tertiary facility, you should definitely think about, if you're not already doing this, extending your services out to the smaller hospitals, performing tumor boards remotely, or other type of uh, conferences where you can get the collective wisdom of a large group together. And it's a great use of telehealth technology. Next article. Uber Health and Henry Schein partner to expand delivery of remote patient care. So Henry Schein, a healthcare products distributor, formed a partnership with Uber Health that will allow physicians to order portable medical microcarts to be driven to patients' home for remote examinations. By adding Uber Health services to the MedPod platform, a physician can dispatch an Uber driver with the MedPod microcart to the home of a patient who needs to be examined, the physician can then use the microcart's technology to complete the exam, and if the patient requires further medical attention, the Uber driver can transport the patient to the physician's office. Um, love the concept, love thinking beyond the four walls of the hospital, and CMIOs do need to understand that the tech is out there. I wonder if Uber's the right partner on, on this. Wouldn't it be better to have a clinician out there I, I've heard of people partnering with their local EMS systems because having a paramedic go out there 
can certainly add value. Simply bringing in a box that's going to look at a rash is not going to transform healthcare. What you really need are social workers because the social determinants of health are what you're picking up on when you're out in the home and figuring out the, the pharmaceutical problems, that the, they can't afford their medicines, the, the um, lack of companionship or other issues that are driving some of the health behaviors. So they don't talk about the costs involved in this. My, my gut says the economics here are going to be really challenging. Think about the logistics here. The driver has to go pick up this device from some central location, get it out to the patient's house. Evidently, they have to wait while the visit happens in case the patient needs to go somewhere else. And then I'm sure they're going to have to take this device and get it back to the central service for cleaning and resurfacing to get to go back out again. So that Uber driver could probably do multiple other transportations in the time frame that that issue would occur. I just don't know about the economics on this one, but still interesting concept. Uh, I think we're seeing the tools, the remote patient monitoring, the ability to connect to patients outside of the four walls is advancing and we should continue to stay abreast of this. I personally um, am not wrapping my arms around and jumping up for joy yet with the technology that's out there, but I do see that it is progressing. Another article that talks about remote patient monitoring comes out of the Journal of the American Heart Association. Uh, came out on August 2nd. And here's a title, Patterns of Sedentary Behavior in the First Month After Acute Coronary Syndrome. And so they took, they took a look at 149 patients with acute coronary syndrome, and they were focusing on their patterns of, of, of movement. And it's interesting because they're using accelerometry to get that done. For 28 days following discharge, they're assessing the sedentary time. And the findings revealed that there's high volumes of sedentary time by survivors of acute coronary syndrome. An increased probability of being in the high sedentary group was observed in relation to non-Hispanic ethnicity, left ventricular ejection fraction less than 40%, lower physical health related quality of life, and not having a partner. And then they go on to say it may be uh, possible to implement interventions to target the, uh, the, the sedentary time that's occurring in the population, particularly those with poor physical health and greater disease severity. And so I've previously said I'm not a huge fan of the tools that are being used for remote patient monitoring. I just didn't see that they were having a big impact, and I stand corrected. I love this. I think we should be doing more of this. It's very focused 28 days of looking at mobility and how to get those patients up, moving back perhaps into cardiac rehab. Uh, great, um, uh, great study and has great uh, potential. Last story that I want to touch on today is it's actually it's actually a, a white paper. It's, it's a press release from a uh, from a vendor. Um, I'll mention the vendor once to give them credit because I think what they did was really good. It's from Optimum Healthcare IT, and the article is "Virtual Training in Today's Healthcare System" by Rebecca Williams. I have no affiliation with this company, by the way, but. Virtual training is really interesting. And do you know, have you thought about what your virtual training strategy is going to be? So some highlights from the article. 
they're, they're talking about she was working with a client that was um, acquiring other remote hospitals, smaller hospitals, and she says many times these smaller facilities lie in rural areas and are not localized to the main hospital, making it a challenge to accommodate training and the expense of travel for training. This has led to organizations looking at better EHR training solutions such as e-training or virtual training programs to cut costs and maintain the quality. She mentions it's one of the sites that the turnover was high in the outlying hospital. Their leadership team requested a plan be devised to cut down on any travel time and find a way to train using the main campus trainers remotely. And they looked at a bunch of technologies. They looked into go-to training, WebEx, and Skype. And then they also need to determine the hardware that was needed. After getting the hardware in place, the determination was made about how and if the curriculum needed to be changed. And the decision was made that the content was fine, but the delivery method needed to change. The presentation, a PowerPoint, may not meet the needs when you're doing this uh, via, via WebEx. Lastly, a decision needed to be made about what personnel were required to be utilized to make this effective. Uh, how would you handle technical issues if they came up? How would you handle end-user questions? or concerns that needed follow-up. Love this article. We should be thinking about our virtual training strategy. How do we provide at the elbow support remotely? At my last facility, we had over 200 ambulatory clinics that we were trying to maintain at the elbow support. And I just don't think we did it as well as it could have been done. When you have a trainer trying to get to all these places, they pop in, the providers are running behind and the schedule's now off and they really don't have time to meet with the trainer. Uh, the staff are getting some of their questions answered, but guess what? They're busy, they're on the phones, they're rooming patients too. Uh, the, the best way to do this may very well be from a centralized location where trainers can connect remote into a computer, help people provide that at-the-elbow support when they have that question in the moment. I think the challenge is, you know, out of sight, out of mind. If people don't see a trainer in front of them, they're probably not thinking about some of these things. So it's going to take some significant marketing to get it into people's head that this is a resource that's available. I think the training when done in a hospital particularly to providers, they're going to be moving around what's the right equipment that they could use. Is that equipment going to be universally available? Can they go to any workstation and connect into a trainer? Or can they use their cell phone and, and use Skype or a FaceTime type method to connect? Um, those are kinds of things that need to be thought about and worked out. I am not convinced that we can scale our current models of Athiel support. The trainers are, well, they're invaluable. They're very expensive resources and we do have to maximize their time. Or perhaps we need to adjust our training model. And the one that I'm thinking about and hoping to move into our system here is that the trainer is centrally localized, but you have at the clinic local experts that are going to provide more of that um, uh, at the elbow support with the trainer being remote. So it's going to be a combination because I do think that you, do, you need people that are going to be able to catch the issues in the moment, highlight the workflows that are stuck, bring that to the attention of the trainer, and then the trainer can schedule that visit to happen. So those experts locally have to be developed. 
So let me know your thoughts on remote training. Uh, if you've successfully implemented this, I'd certainly love to hear it. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to CMIO Podcast. I've been your host, Dr. Mark Weissman. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to grab me or through email at cmiopodcast at gmail.com. Go to the website, cmiopodcast.com, where you can send me your ideas for shows, guests you would like to hear from, general feedback, or just connect. Look forward to some other great shows coming up. Have Dr. Mark Tobias coming on this week talk about a way of helping keep track of your clinical support tools. Thanks again for listening. Look forward to bringing you our next episode.